What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, coming to y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky on a Wednesday here, getting the show out a bit later than usually do, uh, partially due to the uh, important, or most important midweek game that we had uh, last night and it was not able to record following that given uh, the time. So we'll hit on that. The midweek slate was a very slow one this week. We still have one game uh, coming up, St. John's and Stony Brook. That one was pushed back to today due to some inclement weather uh, there in the area. Hofstra uh, Syracuse seemed to play right through it there. Uh, cold one there on Long Island. We'll talk about that and some more midweek stuff on today's show, as well as preview some of the weekend ahead. Uh, Thursday, we're going to hit on some of the bigger games for this weekend. Uh, Maryland, Virginia, Yale, Cornell, uh, and a couple other games. Penn, Penn Princeton. Uh, multiple big games this weekend. We have conference play opening up for the ASUN for the Ivy League. And the CAA uh, gets more teams underway uh, conference play-wise as they had uh, who was it? Uh, Delaware and um, can't remember who they played last week, but they they played a a CAA game last week. So uh, conference play gets farther underway for the CAA, as well as it begins for the Ivy League, the A Sun. There in twenty twenty three or here in twenty twenty three, I should say it's already begun for the MAC uh, and the ACC to an extent. Gets farther underway in the ACC as well. Uh, I should also say this weekend with one of the games that we'll talk about here today, North Carolina Duke, the Tobacco Road rivalry. We'll also hit on the weekend that Johns Hopkins will have. If you remember, this is the weekend last year that really defined the season as uh, one that was uh, a loss um, to you know, holistically. Uh, even though they probably weren't as bad as maybe some people uh, wanted to put it, Last season, and I've said as I've said multiple times on here. Um, what, what, let's get this midweek stuff out of the way here first. So there was a couple midweek games yesterday. We had Hofstra and Syracuse, as I mentioned, Canisius and Saint Bonaventure, and the Randy Moans Bowl. That, that's what I should call it. Uh, Randy Moans, coach at Saint Bonaventure, was at Canisius for a number of years before that. Uh, so, Randy Bones Bowl there in, in in Buffalo. Ohio State played Detroit Mercy, and Lafayette played Hampton. Not a not a a big midweek slate like we had a week prior, but still some uh, good games here. The most significant being Hofstra and Syracuse. Syracuse gets the sixteen to eight win there on Tuesday night. It is Syracuse's first road win of the season, and its first road win, win since March season when they beat Stony Brook on the road. So sh- should Syracuse just play all the road games on Long Island and they'll win? I don't know. Seemed like a good crowd there to see Joey Spelina brave in the cold. Um, Syracuse wins on Long Island on Tuesday night, 16-8. to And it was Joey Spelina who helped lead the way there, the Long Island native, four goals, three assists. There for the Orange and uh, Owen Hiltz had three goals, three assists as well. Finn Thompson, two goals, two assists. Michael Leo, two goals and two assists. 
all heavy contributors there for the Orange. Uh, the Syracuse also goes three for five on the man up there. Uh, had a strong day in that department as well. Will Mark with 13 saves, really stifled that Hofstra offense. He was able to get some good shots off, but Will Mark every time was there. Uh, the Orange held the pride to a two for eight mark, 25% uh, success rate in the man up. Uh, so the Syracuse man down defense was uh, playing some good lacrosse as well here on Tuesday night. Uh, this is a game where Hofstra got up early. They're up 3-0, but um, Syracuse steps on the gas, and they seemingly never take it off. You have the Sam Alexo goal from the, literally from the face-off dot with uh, just a couple seconds left on the clock, beats the buzzer, puts that one in. It's a 5-4 to four, uh, Syracuse lead heading into the second quarter, and from there, Syracuse never really lets up at all. Uh, very impressive defensive performances. I mentioned Will Mark with 13 saves, but the Orange defense held John Madsen, the leading scorer for Hofstra, uh, to just one goal on the night. I believe it was. They played him very, very well. Uh, the Syracuse defense, I thought, played phenomenal. They were nearly perfect in the clearing game. So uh, a really good game, braving the braving the elements, winning in the cold there, winning on the road for Syracuse. And they break their, their, their losing streak. You know, they had lost to Maryland, Duke, Hopkins, back-to-back-to-back. Um, and there might have been another one of those as well if I remember, but I think it's only three. Uh but 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 they had they came into this one with a losing streak and obviously losing a couple close games back to back and uh that they, they find a way to win here against Hofstra and, and they win big. It wasn't really uh once the second half hit, like it was a five goal game at one point, but but it wasn't really uh very close at all in that second half and Syracuse had the momentum. Once they got up they they practically had the momentum. That entire rest of the way, uh, the the one area where you did have, and let me pull up the, uh, the 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 actual box score here, so I can see the uh, actual stats of this. But the one area where Syracuse did struggle is the area you would you would su- suspect, and and that was at the face off dot uh, there in that one. And, the box score loading here right now. Uh, Johnny McHugh's, I think, went like it was 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 pretty bad in this one. Uh, yeah, four of eleven. I knew. Uh, excuse me, five of seventeen. Woody Schaefer, uh Jack Fine, four of eleven there uh, for the Orange uh, as the backup. So both Acusa and Fine not having good days there at the dot. The faceoff dot continues to be arguably the biggest week for Syracuse. Uh, a few weeks ago, probably would have said the face. Probably would have said the defense, but it seems like the defense is kind of coming back into their own. And certainly, Will Mark is a great anchor for them there. Um, Chase Patterson, nineteen for twenty-eight there at the dot for Hofstra. Matt Gates, twelve saves there for Hofstra as well. Uh, two, two solid players there for a solid Hofstra team. Gerard Kane was back in the lineup. I had someone ask me the other day why he didn't play the other day. Uh, he, he was out the other day for Hofstra. Uh, he was back in the lineup here on Tuesday night for 
uh, uh, yesterday, uh, there on Tuesday night for Syracuse, uh, for Hofstra, excuse me, in the game against Syracuse. Syracuse, they're off. This is their spring break. Uh, they're off till next Tuesday. They get St. Bonaventure. Hofstra begins CAA play at home against Fairfield on Saturday. The next, um, so actually, let me, let me read through some of these final scores here. So, Ohio State 19 to 6 over Detroit Mercy is what it is. Then you had Lafayette 18 to 9 over Hampton. Again, it is what it is. And Hampton was actually up 3 2 at the end of the first there. Lafayette pulls away. Um, really strong day at the faceoff dot. Evan Price went 78% there for the Leopards. Drew Blanchard for Ohio State, 85% there. Uh, for, for for him there, Jack Myers one goal five assist. Ed Sheen five goals one assist. Each had six points to lead the way for Ohio State in that big win. Oh, Detroit mostly, and, and look, Ohio State gets back in the uh, gets back in the win column. They've got one coming up against Denver this weekend out west. So um, a big contest between <laughs> those two. Uh, and what is two 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 teams looking to get get a significant win? Denver coming off the loss to Yale and Ohio State, obviously winning on Tuesday, but coming off of what was a loss to Virginia, a uh, which again, it, it, I wouldn't necessarily call that a bad loss. Um, and I don't, all losses are bad, but that one, I feel like they played better than they did against Cornell. And certainly against Notre Dame, um, and losing big to both of those teams. Uh, the Cornell won. The final score is deceiving, obviously. Uh, Notre Dame won, obviously not. Um, so Ohio State looking to go into Denver uh, next up and get a big win there, and that'd be huge for, for for the Buckeyes. Again, it'd be huge for the Pioneers, uh, who they've had some some losses this season as well. But they dropped a three and three. On Saturday, with the loss to Yale, they beat North Carolina, and what was a really good win for them. They were able to slow things down uh, and, and make Carolina play to their pace. And and when they do that, they can win games. Just have to play the full sixty. Have to finish through that, and uh, the other team has to be able to not succeed in that kind of environment. We know Yale can succeed in that environment, even though they play. Very fast-paced lacrosse most of the time. Didn't didn't do that on Saturday, as mentioned. <laughs> Excuse me. The other uh, Tuesday game I want to talk about here is Canisius. They get their first win over of the season, beating St. Bonaventure thirteen to five in what I dubbed the Randy Moans Bowl. Um, and this is a 4-3 game at the end of the first half, and, and I watched this first half. Not a lot of offense going on there. Golden Griffins explode. In the, sec- in the third quarter, they outscore the opposition 9-2 to in the second half. A really good win here for the Golden Griffins. Hunter Paruki, two goals and three assists there. He had five points to lead the way. Jackson Fridge. Probably one of the best names in, in, in lacrosse. One goal, two assists. Keegan Kozak, two goals, one assist as well. They each had three points. Uh, Kyle Brunich, Colin Kelly, Jackson Webster, each had two goals. Micah Hansen goes 71% at the dot there. 
Tommy Coons, 14 saves in cage there. Again, Canisius gets their first win of the season, beating St. Bonaventure in a 13-5 win. Uh, St. Bonaventure, uh, they're a lot worse than I thought they would be this year. At least have appeared that way so far. We'll see what they do in the coming weeks. And, 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 and you know, I mean, I pegged them to finish last in the A-10. That's, that's where they're trending right now. Um, you know, not a good look. And obviously you lose a ton of talent from last season, uh, but they still had some good pieces back there, especially offensively. So to see them dip like they are, and the faceoff dot has dipped as well uh, with the transfer out of uh, Trenton Granger last season. So uh, St. Bonaventure has himself in a bit of trouble right now in terms of losses this season. Uh, we'll see if they can bounce back here in the coming weeks. And certainly as A-10 play approaches and a really tough conference there with Richmond and St. Joseph's and UMass and High Point and Hobart, all these teams that I think very well could beat them. So that is that uh, for our midweek slate. Now let's get into the weekend that will be. So as I mentioned, we want to talk about a couple weekend games here on today's show, we'll talk about uh, the more a uh, couple other bigger ones on Thursday's show. So uh, today, I want to hit on two, uh, uh, actually three in particular. Uh, we're going to dive into one: uh, North Carolina and Duke. The Tobacco Road rivalry here uh, goes down on Friday night at 6 p.m. North Carolina coming off a big blowout win over a depleted Brown team. Duke coming out off a win over uh, Loyola, in which they stepped on the gas early, and they never took their foot off until that final buzzer sounded. A 17-8 to win there over the Greyhounds last Friday. North Carolina, uh, excuse me, the, um, I believe this one is at Duke. Am I correct on that? Yes, this one is at Duke. So, the Blue Devils will welcome in the Tall Heels on uh, Friday night, and, and this is this is always a a, a a a very intense battle. It's a rivalry matchup. This is one that you circle on the calendar every single year. Of you know what game you want to win. Number one, we want to beat. If you're Carolina, we want to beat Duke. If you're Duke, we want to beat Carolina. Uh, we know what this rivalry is. We know the history of this rivalry, and it has been. Very, very, uh, very tight, very phenomenal here. And I want to pull up real quick the uh, past couple of matchups between these two because it's been pretty, it's been a pretty uh, tight contest here. And if we can get this to pull up here on the old computer here. There we go. Okay. So, last season, obviously, Duke, uh, they played twice. And do they play twice? I should have checked that before I looked at this. Do they play twice again this year? Believe? Don't believe so. No, they do not. Okay, that's correct. They play one time this year, which I like. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't you know. The ACC, we, we've talked about the scheduling. and. You know, whatever it, it is, what it is. 
Um, I get you get rid of the, the ACC tournament. I feel like it's kind of hurt the ACC in, it, in an extent. Um, certainly did last year. I don't know if it will this year, but we'll see. Duke took both games 15 to 6 and 19 to 11 last season. However, 2021, 15 to 12, North Carolina was the second matchup there in Chapel Hill. The first matchup was that 11 to 12, over uh, 12 to 11 overtime victory for Duke there. I uh, believe that was one Joe Robertson heroic overtime goal there. And then you look at the past couple from that. 10-8 in 2019, 11-10 in 2018, 12-8 in 2017, 17-6 overtime in 2016. Like, this is a rivalry that, 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 that runs deep. This is a rivalry that both these teams want to win and a game that's going to be very tight. Um, and I think this year is going to be probably tight. Gonna, I think this year is going to be tighter than what we saw from these two last season as uh, both Carolina and Duke have what I would call improved defenses. Improved defenses. We've seen Carolina, obviously, with Colin Krieg, and then you've gotten some veteran players in there alongside some of these younger guys like a Paul Barton, a uh, 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 Matt Wright, um, and obviously Connor Marla being a veteran defensive midfielder. You've got, uh, what's his face, um, JT Roselli there. For uh, the transfer from Marist, uh, you've got, um, what's his, uh, cannot remember his name, Andrew Geppert from uh, Brown, the two transfer polls that came in there as grad transfers. Geppert has started at close all six games this season, while um, Roselli has gone, uh, has been a solid, you know, second LSM for them uh, behind uh, Matt Wright to an extent there this season for them. Uh, Ty English has, has stepped up and been a big two-way midfielder for them after being more of an offensive guy last season uh, as as a freshman. Uh, this is a, a Carolina defense that overall has gotten better. You look at the past couple games, again, Denver forced them to play slow, so you can take that into account. But they held Denver to, uh, to, to nine goals in, in a loss. Uh, they held Brown, a appointed Brown team, uh, albeit at that. So I, I, I don't, I don't know how much credence I give to the Brown win because of how depleted they were. But still, a nineteen to six win is a nineteen to six win. Um, had they had those guys there, probably would have been closer. Uh, but they do hold. But you should should mention Brown did have some good games, good offensive outputs without those players. I uh, believe it was the Stony Brook game where they had a really good showing there without the players that are suspended at the moment. Um, Held them to six goals, Ohio State to five, and Johns Hopkins to seven uh, there in that one. Uh, Obviously, they lose the Ohio Ohio State to eight. They lose the Ohio State one. I was reading the score backwards there. Um, and, And Hopkins to seven, mostly obviously to three in the first game of the season. Uh, Syracuse has had 13 on them. That's the highest scoring that we've seen from a opposing team for North Carolina. Um, so, I mean, this has been a defense that's been pretty good. And even as the last year was injured, was young, those are a number of things you could say about this defense. And they've kind of come back together this season. And they've got some more veteran presence there. 
to help lead the way, help show these young guys along. They've got a lot of talent, and they're playing very good lacrosse. Uh, something also to mention with Carolina is the ride. They're holding their opponents to under 80%, 79.6% in the clearing game. Uh, any team, I always kind of use this, you want to be 85 plus in your clearing game. That's kind of where you want to be. For my coach, I say I want to be 85 plus. We want to be nine. We want to be a hundred percent. We want to be ninety-five percent. But if we're eighty-five plus, we're average or, or above average there. Uh, so they'll hold no teams, their opponents to under uh, uh, under eighty percent. There, Carolina is going ninety-one percent in the clearing game. A uh, Duke is holding their opponents to eighty-eight percent. So uh, I think Carolina they have been more better in the middle of the field the past couple of seasons. I think they're probably better in the middle of the field in this game. I I, I want to say Carolina has the better defense, but I'm not I'm not sure about that. Um, we, we we did see uh, Duke shut down Loyola. We you know saw them play good games against Penn, against Syracuse, against Denver, getting wins in each of those games. Uh, Duke has played a tougher schedule to an extent. I would say they've played more games certainly. Then North Carolina has, uh, they did have the Bellman high point to start the season, but and then they lost to Jacksonville uh, in the 13-12 game. Since the high point game, they haven't really played a cupcake at all. Syracuse hasn't really played, hasn't played, uh, excuse me, North Carolina hasn't played a cupcake at all. You could say Syracuse is probably the worst team they've played uh, since their uh, Opener against Mercer uh, or, or Denver, either of those teams. I would I would argue probably Denver is a bit better, kind of kind of teetering on the a uh, uh, little. You're kind of teetering in that twenty in that you know eighteen to twenty five, twenty six ish range, where kind of a lot of teams are similar. So I would say Denver is better though for, um, at at the moment, at least. Um, there, so both these teams. This is a, a big matchup, a big test. ACC opener for Duke. North Carolina obviously has already played Syracuse in this one. Um, and we, we mentioned the defenses, the improved defenses. I really want to see what they do against these offenses because the offense is really for both of these teams what highlights the squads this year. North Carolina, you've got Logan McGovern, you've got Sean Goldsmith, Lance Tillman, great playmakers there. Um, and then, obviously, you can go down the line here with scores: James Matan, Anthony DeMarco, Johnny Schwartz, Henry Schertzinger, all of these guys, they're all in the single digits in scoring and points so far, but they all have had like breakout games, but they've been the one to step up. So North Carolina has depth there. Uh, offensively has some depth. They didn't really, maybe didn't have last season at the same, uh, same, at the same uh, level, maybe uh, arguably, arguably talent was good still, but arguably depth wasn't there. It didn't show. Brennan O'Neill, 37 points. Andrew McAdoy, 32 points lead the way for Duke. Uh, on offense right now. Owen Caputo, 
Garrett Ledman, Aiden Denenza, each have 14, 12, and 12. Charles Balsamo, uh, the, the freshman, has 11 points so far this season. I think Duke's got the better offense of this. I think Duke's, Duke's probably got the deeper offense, or at least they've shown that through this uh, so far this season. And, you know, I am going to take Duke in this game because I do feel that the depth offensively, I feel that uh, the, the, the real battle here is Naso and Tyre and who wins that battle. I, I feel like there's an edge to Naso, but we've seen Tyre do some work as well. Um, we've seen North Carolina have guys do work outside of Tyre there at the face-off dot for them this season. <coughs> Excuse me. And tutorials have been extremely good at getting those momentum-changing, uh, capitalizing on those momentum-changing plays off the face-off. We saw that against Syracuse. We've seen that throughout the season with them. So, I mean, overall, this is a, a, a matchup that is, is going to be huge here in the ACC. Again, it's the only time they're playing this year, which I think that's good. Um, but also uh, means you get one shot to beat your rival, and we know that both teams are going to bring it here on Friday night as the Duke Blue Devils welcome in the North Carolina Tall Heels. Again, I'm picking Duke in this contest, uh, but I do think it will be a, a fairly, fairly close contest. And again, how these defenses hold these offenses, or the offense versus defense chess match, chess match, as you will, is going to be very, very interesting to watch there in Durham on Friday night. A couple of other games, uh, things I want to get to here. Um, uh, uh, you know, based on, uh, I guess, pertaining to s this weekend is the, we'll get to this first, the ASUN opening conference play. <coughs> two of the, uh, w w w what I think are going to be two of the most important um, regular season games in terms of playoff position are going to be played t on Saturday. First one is Jacksonville and Robert Morris. With Jacksonville, we've seen Max Waldbaum come back the past couple of weeks. He has put up 15 points off eight goals and seven assists as he's getting back in the fold there for the Dolphins, or as he gets back in the fold there for the Dolphins. Brandon Galloway, we know uh, what he's done for that offense as well. We know what this defense has done this season. Uh, Jacksonville hasn't had much of a test. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, they played UMass Lowell. They played, who was it last weekend? St. John's. Haven't had much of a test. Uh, in, in terms of Robert Morris, they played Hobart, and they lost 14-12. to They played High Point. They lost 16-14. to Jacksonville did play High Point as well in that, uh, in that stretch as well, but th th that's the toughest test they've had. So we have got Jacksonville heading to Robert Morris, the perceived favorite this year in the A-Sun versus the champion from last year. This is going to be a, a battle. I expect both teams to bring their best in this one. Um, I don't... These two have played... Uh, that's right, they did. They played in, in South Carolina in 21. 
and in Maryland in 2020. Uh, it is a eight five. Excuse me, a five to two uh, lead all time in the series between these two, and this is, I think, going to be the beginning. Uh, they haven't played much, 2010, 2011, 2013, 2014, 2015, but have only played twice since 2015, so it's been a, not been a consistent series, will now be in the A-Sun. I think this is going to be uh, the, the beginning of a very, very good series or, or potentially rivalry, whatever you, you want to call it, between these two as they're going to be up there at the top of the A-Sun fighting each and every season. Robert Morris. Again, ha- ha- had lost some guys from last season, but as always, replaces them very well. David Burr, the sophomore, 17 points, 13 goals, 4 assists, leads the way for uh, the Colonials. Taggart Clark, 12 goals, 4 assists, 16 points. Elliot Holden, 7 goals, 4 assists, 2 returners from last season who help lead the way there uh, for the Colonials. Also offensively, Nate Randall. Uh, been very solid in, in cage, 52% safe percentage. Um, faceoff dot hasn't been their strong suit. I think, Hop- uh, I think uh, Jacksonville has the edge there for sure with Nathan Cap um, and, and what they've done this season. Um, but again, the the Dolphins. For for me, it's interesting this game. First and foremost, this is going to have postseason impact on the ASUN tournament seeding. And secondly, this is the, the battle between the favorite and the champion from last season going head-to-head. Now, this is also a battle where Jacksonville is coming off a stretch where they haven't played a ton of teams like up to their caliber. And they've gotten some good wins, some easy, I want to say easy, but some wins that weren't, they didn't have to struggle much for. Good wording there. Robert Morris is coming off two losses against teams, Hobart and High Point in the A-10 that are looking to kind of break into that fold there as that fourth, uh, third or fourth seed there in the A-10 when it's all said and done. Okay? Robert Morris has had a tougher time here recently, certainly losing those games and playing tougher competition. How Jacksonville comes into this one and how they come out of the gates, I'm just going to tell you a lot about what this game is going to be. Also, interesting, we know RMU plays that unique style. I'm interested to see how this... They have not played a Jacksonville team of this caliber. I'm interested to see how that all comes together in uh, the Dolphins versus that kind of style of play with a team of this caliber. They, they were good in 21. They were good in uh, t- 2020, but, but they didn't have this much talent on the roster that they do now at, at the, face, at the you know, offense, defense, face-off dot, defensive midfield, uh, pole. Like th- there's a ton of talent there for the Dolphins that they have. They haven't had in the past. And so how that how that matches up against this RMU unique system is going to be interesting to watch. Utah, so the, the nightcap. I love this weekend. I, I love this weekend. We get Penn, Princeton at seven. <coughs> we get Penn, Princeton at seven. We get Robert Morris. Uh, excuse me. We get Utah and Bellman 
at 9 p.m. It's on the out in Utah. Bellman heads out there to the Rockies. Remember this game from last season. It was 12 to 11, Utah. It was an 11 to 10. It was a one goal game. It was the same score for both. Um, yeah, 12 to 11 in the regular season. And it was 12 to 11 in overtime in the ASUN semifinals. These two meet again. And Bellarmine is 5 and 1. They are off to their best start since 2013, looking to match that, that, that best start. Uh, in program history in 2013, they went 6-1 and one to begin the season. Looking to match that. Utah, however, coming off of losses to, say, uh, to Johns Hopkins and Rutgers. They also lost to, who was it they lost to um, in, in back-to-back? They lost to someone else. Vermont is who it was. Lost to Vermont also there. They beat Marquette. That's the only one on the season. They're one and four. They also lost to Denver. So Utah looking to get back in the win column. And again, uh, we, we mentioned RMU. Utah runs that same similar system, the Andrew McMinn system there that McMinn brought out west. And, and we know what this team can do with, with guys like Sammy Cambrera and the, the amount of talent they have there that can go two ways. <coughs> Joey Bolston, ton of these guys. Nico DiPietro has been a solid freshman at the LSM spot for them. Uh, you look, offensively speaking, specific, Tyler Bradbury, MJ McMahon, two attackmen who have led the way for this team. There, you know, Cole Blams has gone 42, 47% at the dot this season. I think if the I think that's the, the the one area probably where you will see Utah have an edge is at the dot. Cole Messick, uh, Grant Guthrie, Aiden Phone have have been the guys for Bellerman. Again, I say this again: Bellerman has not had a a primary faceoff man go fifty percent or above since twenty sixteen. Cole Messick is forty five percent at this point. I uh, believe he crossed 100 career face-off wins the other day that the sophomore did um, in the win over Marquette. Both of these teams, I, I think this could be a high-scoring game. I think this could be a high-scoring game. This could be a, deep, a, a game that looks a lot like what we've seen from these two in the past. Very close, very tight, a lot of scoring. And th- this Bellman offense is... The thing that has improved the most. Face-off, you could say certainly. But offense has improved very much so as well. Kyle Playstead, Benny O'Rourke, Christian Del Rocco, 25-23-20 in terms of points on the season. You've got Del Rocco and uh, O'Rourke with 16 goals each on the year. Kyle Playstead, 14 assists, 11 goals there. Um, this is going to be a battle here between these two teams out west. And one, again... That could very much impact the postseason play, postseason standings, whatever you want to say, of the uh, ASUN Conference Tournament. Last thing I want to talk about here is Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins, they have risen to, what are they now, number nine, I believe it is, in the polls? Maybe lower. I don't know. Let me see. 
pull this up here real quick. Yeah, okay, number 10. Number 10 in the polls. Uh, they stayed where they were from a week ago in the official polls there at number 10. Hopkins is coming into the weekend that defined them last year. They're 5-3 and three right now. They've shown they know how to win. They've got these guys back from injury, as we talked about last week in the Virginia game and in the St. Jo- uh, St. Joe's game before that. They've got these guys back from injury. They're looking really good right now. They are coming off a, a win, a rivalry win over Syracuse. They head into this weekend where they play at Navy and versus Delaware. Now, Navy, they want to mention you. Patrick Skolniak is out for the season with the injury. Dane Swanson has not been seen since, what was the last time he played? Um, don't bl- I don't believe he played against Colgate over the weekend. Uh, I know he played against High Point. He might have played against Colgate, <laughs> but I don't believe he had any, um, didn't, it was very limited uh, to, to say that. So he's still, um, and let me pull this up real quick, if he did play there. So I, th- I don't think he was on the stat sheet. And if he was, he didn't didn't have anything. I know he didn't start for sure. Um, player, let's see here. Yeah, looks like he's not on. So he did not play on uh, Saturday against Colgate in that uh, that horrible loss there as well. So injury watch there for for, for Navy. This is a team, a, a Navy team that lost since the Manhattan game. Has really kind of dropped off. Upset to Manhattan six to five. You lose the High Point fourteen to thirteen. You lose to Lehigh thirteen to ten. You lose to Colgate 17-8. We talked about that game on uh, Sunday to an extent. You've got Hopkins coming into this weekend. You've got Villanova on next Tuesday. Two opportunities for here that Navy is going to want to take to get some big wins, to get back to where they want to be this season as they head back into Patriot League play next weekend against Holy Cross. Expect they will win that one. And then you, you've got some other teams there. Uh, Boston U still on the on the schedule. Obviously, Army later in the season as well. So Hopkins, they faced them on Saturday. Um, me, on Friday night at 7 p.m. They will then face Delaware on Saturday on Sunday. Delaware beat UMBC 17 to 11. Beat Monmouth 18 to 6. <coughs> that was after losses to Villanova and. Uh, Michigan back to back, thirteen to twelve and sixteen to twelve. Uh, there in those two games in consecutive weeks, end February into begin uh, the month of March. So Delaware is very much playing a, a really good brand of lacrosse at the moment. They got their first CAA win of the season last week. Um, Ty Coates leads them offensively, thirty nine points. JP Ward thirty five. Clay Miller, Finn Morgan, Nick Jessen, Cam Achione. A ton of talent on this roster all over the place. Owen Grant defensively, Matt Kilkeely. This is a Delaware team that beat them last year. This is a Delaware team that beat Hopkins last year and I think can beat them again this year. Um, 
I'm not like picking these games as part of my and I put out on on Instagram my picks for the week. This isn't one that I'm necessarily picking in that category. And I, I had someone ask me, what is my record this season in picking the game? So I have a spreadsheet on that. I'll go over that on Thursday. Um when we because I was in the podcast with here's my picks and all that. So we'll go over that on Thursday. Um I gotta update last week's uh there first uh, before I go over it. But Delaware is a team that can very much beat Hopkins. They very much can. They've had some they have not won any games this year that are massive. Okay? UMBC is their best win. And UMBC is not a bad team. They're, they're a very good team this season. That's the best one. A win over Hopkins is going to be a marquee win here for the Blue Hens and get them back on track as well. And I say back on track as if they're off track. They're not. <coughs> as far as CAA play is concerned. But getting back into uh, the, 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 the top 20, getting back to that realm, a win over Hopkins would help them do that. Um, in terms of picking these games, again, not picking these as part of my picks of the week, and we'll end on this one uh, on this year. I, I would I would take Hopkins against Navy, but I'm not sure I would take them against Delaware. And the Delaware game's at and the Delaware game is at home, right? Yeah, it's 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 at Homewood. It's at Homewood. That that game I think is be tougher for them than the Navy game, especially if Navy hasn't gotten their offense kind of figured back out again, <laughs> and if they lay an egg to an extent um, defensively like they did a week ago. I don't expect that. I think it'll be a lot better game for Navy, but I, I think Hopkins is the better. It is they're the hotter team here in, in what they've done the last couple weeks. So, I would take Hopkins against Navy. I'd take Delaware against Hopkins. And, and, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, but two games back-to-back, -back, you know, it's gonna be, this is going to be a tough weekend for Hopkins. Not as tough as last season, but still a tough weekend here against two hungry teams. And uh, th th that is going to be the weekend for the Hopkins, Johns Hopkins, Blue Jays. All right, folks. Again, thank you all for tuning in. As always, y'all can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. You can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button wherever you can. Leave the five-star review where you can. Helps us grow the show have a great rest of the week and we'll, we'll be back here on thursday to preview the remainder of the weekend schedule what looks to be another great weekend in college or class